Mr. McGregor's statement of his intention to close his account of pits and to make over 20,000 men redundant that sparked off the present controversy. And what would you what would you say to the people that said that you're a sexist fan? I would totally agree. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. The ladies not for turning. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's that time of the night. Yes, indeed. It's time for you to get very well acquainted with the darling of disco, the sitting regent of the Giddy Goldilocks zone between Hackney and Hoxton, the undisputed king of Shoreditch since 83, Little Rod's karaoke parlour's very own, Timothy May, the karaoke king. Who got the funk? Who got the funk? No, seriously, guys, we're missing all of our funk tunes from the system. The terrible twosome reckon some young scamp hopped up on a sludgy mixture of blue, yellow, green WKDs, jacked the USB stick, whatever one of them is, but contained them all. We've had to record tracks off of Craig Charles' old radio show, Old School Style, while we track the cheeky sod down. Tough times down at the parlor, tough times, and the twins are breathing down my fresh neck about all sorts. I haven't talked to you about the twins, the terrible twosome, have I? Well, that's because last year I was enjoying myself here while they were pretty hands-off, dealing with other business ventures or some such. But apparently Little Rods is on a downturn so far this year. I can't imagine why. What year is it? 2003, right? Man, we're all getting on a bit, aren't we? But in our collective middle age slash upper middle age, apparently we've let the kids of this new generation lose sight of what's important. Namely, booze, grooves, and ladies of the night, all of which can be found aplenty here at Little Rods. Clearly, that's not what the kids want these days, though, so in swan. Ugh! Alexa and Helen Barkdale, a pair of what I hesitate to call females, who, uh, alas, were once just a glint in the eponymous Little Rods' eye. Uh, but since that fateful day in 94 when Rod was just a bit too little for the seatbelt of his beamer and flew straight through the windscreen like an Eric Bristow dart, these two Jezebels have been the owners of this beautiful little parlour in a constant cloud of moodiness and argumentative nature. Nothing is ever good enough for these women, I swear. So what if I leave personal possessions lying around in the booths? I need some of this stuff on hand. If a lady does perchance take a fancy to the king and, uh, <sighs> want to see the crown back at hers, I can't exactly run home to pick up a toothbrush and a change of clothes, now can I? And trust me, I do need those because I can get properly filthy in the bedroom. Ladies. I mean, come on! We're in the party capital of London! Drinks are flowing. My raw animal magnetism is vibing with their natural-born desires for an alpha male who's handy in any situation thrown at him. What do these witches expect to happen exactly? So after years and years of frankly tortuous abuse under the regime of Hellenexis, I've come to expect an ever-widening tide of ridiculous rules and initiatives from the pair but their new idea this year that they've been thrusting upon me really takes the Tunnock's tea cakes. To try to appeal to these ungrateful youths running around and stealing our music, the twins have decided to install a viewing platform into my booth. So as I croon out a set, a paying and baying crowd one at a time for some reason, 
can watch me do my thing. Now, I love performing in front of others, but only if they're actually in the booth with me, taking part in this gloriously interactive art form, having a laugh, dancing the night away. Oh yes. But these youths coming in, they're just watching from behind a glass screen, peering in. I'm a bloody zoo exhibit now. They just stand there filming me on their camera phones. Not getting into the groove, barely even raising a smile. And I've seen these photos they take, uploaded onto the Internet Explorer later. Just bizarre captions like OK Boomer in all lowercase, I mean what does that even mean? The modern world is a strange, strange place. But I'm trying my best to keep it 83 for as long as possible. Here at Little Rod's Karaoke Parlor. Who got the funk? This week has been an utter disaster. A travesty. Injustice across the board. Now, I know that a lot of people have been negatively affected by what's going on right now, but I very much doubt that anyone has suffered more than I have. You see, I was flying to my next climate change conference as the brand ambassador for Curtis Oil, trying to solve the world's problems, when I first heard about this stupid virus and the newscaster was mansplaining about how it was so dangerous, like, <laughs> excuse me? I'm an environmental activist. A damn good journalist, too. I'm the one who decides if something is dangerous or not, and actually, actually, it was quite clear to me that this little flu was just something that would affect a few little people. And I think the polar ice caps melting is a bit more of a pressing emergency, don't you? So that's the mindset I had when we landed in Cambodia in the jet for the conference, and ah, oh, it was just such a wonderful event. Hundreds of people had flown in from all over the world, all to gather and attend this prestigious event together. And most importantly, to listen to me and my daring, courageous speech. I encouraged everyone to get off their fat behinds, get out of the house, get into the world, and make a real difference. Touch the vulnerable, touch the helpless, touch the elderly. The more people you touch, the better you can feel about yourself, knowing that you've done your bit for better, to save our planet. Of course, I got a standing ovation from the audience and so many dignitaries and fellow activists wanted to shake my hand afterwards. I felt honored, nay, privileged to have touched so many people that day. But because so many people wanted to chat to me after the conference, and who can blame them, we missed our slot on the runway to fly back to Britain or some other better country than this one. I thought, not a big problem. We'll just stay the night and just about tolerate this place for a few hours, and then we'll jet off in the morning. Only, when the morning came, guess what? We were told by the airport staff that suddenly, overnight, completely arbitrarily, Cambodia had gone on lockdown and no flights out were being authorised. I could not believe it. How could this have happened? How? How? How could the international community allow one of its best and brightest to be stranded in this utter backwater? I called some of my friends from the climate circuit to see if any of them had been stranded as well, but no. They'd all gotten out last night, back to 
LA or Knightsbridge or wherever. I was the only one here. My own brilliance and popularity had doomed me. Oh, eh you, eh you. There was only one way out of this tragic predicament. And that was to phone up my fop, Jonathan, and get him to use his UN contacts to get one of their helicopters and extract me, just like how they got me into the Congo last year. But Jonathan said that he'd used up his favour on that and he couldn't do anything for me now. Honestly! Is that really how a father treats his dearest daughter? His firstborn. I was enraged and, as you may have heard last week, I destroyed my phone. So now I can't call anyone and I am stuck here all on my own. Well, with the pilot, but he doesn't matter. But I am strong. I am resilient. I am Savannah. And I can survive here until the powers that be see sense and let my jet take off. I can adapt. I can overcome. It'll be just like when I went traveling. I never did get to visit Angkor Wat after all. Lucinda, thank you for calling. How's the shopping going? Have you obtained our rations? Eggs? Tea? Milk? Jam? Lovely pickies? Oh, excellent, most excellent, Lucinda. I'll make sure you receive more than adequate sustenance in the challenging times ahead. Now, how is the preparation of my bunker coming along? It'll be ready by this time next week, you say? Ah, excellent news, and uh, how about the cryogenic freezing research program? When will that be operational? Slightly more than a week? Oh, that's okay, that's okay. I'm sure I'll be safe from this infernal virus in my bunker for the time being. Oh, it'll be just like back in my youth, what what? Yes, the spirit of the Blitz is alive and well, Lucinda. Now, hurry back and make me a cup of tea when you arrive. If I don't sound too with it today, I've been in a bit of discomfort as of late. 
My body's really feeling the effects of sleeping underneath my desk every night. Uh, these metal frames down there really dig into your back, let me tell you. I've been hobbling around for the last couple of days, but luckily I've been staying busy, taking my mind off the pain by putting in some absolutely great shifts here at Viscera Foods. Uh, and obviously the great advantage of sleeping underneath your own desk is that there's no commute. Well, apart from standing up, putting my duvet away and sitting down on my ergonomic business seat, <laughs> just a little office humour there for you to keep the mood light, uh, because I'm not sure if you've noticed, but right now commuting to work on a packed tube train might not be the best thing to do. And I can't afford to get sick. There's work to be done here. However, a lot of my very lazy colleagues have elected to stay home rather than making the sacrifice of sleeping here in the office, and I find that very disrespectful to the business. To Viscera Foods! Of course, I was already sleeping under my desk before this whole corona thing hit, but that's not the point. In this sort of situation, you've got to put your work before yourselves, guys. Anyway, before everyone stopped coming into the office, uh, HR decided to organise a little night out for all of us. Uh, they took us to some secret facility for something called the Hyena of Fleet Street, the immersive experience. Uh, apparently this Hyena of Fleet Street was some popular film a few years back, but I can't be expected to have heard of it. That's when the Horsemeat scandal happened, there was lots of work to do back then. So uh, basically this thing was like a play, except the actors talked to us and we were part of the show, you know, moving from scene to scene, getting involved. Now I can't remember the last time I watched a play or a film or a TV show for that matter, so I was actually quite excited and willing to give all this, all this immersive experience stuff a bit of a chance. Uh, but the whole thing was, was riddled with inaccuracies. They kept handing us fake banknotes. That took me right out of it. And the actors clearly had never done a day of real hard office work in their lives. Uh, I mean, even the desks in their office looked flimsy and fake. I mean, if I had to sleep under one of them, it'd collapse on me. And uh, worst of all, uh, the actors kept trying to make it all sexy. Uh, loads of innuendos, dancing, outfits, all that stuff. Uh, at one point, an actress came up to me and called me a, a fine piece of meat, uh, at which point I tersely reminded her that I'm married. I'm married to the job. To which she and the other actors, and even my co-workers, just started laughing, tittering at me. I did not intend it as a joke. So, uh, overall, I was very disappointed by this immersive experience. Uh, I made sure to leave a, a negative review on TripAdvisor. Uh, now I'm seriously considering never watching another production of anything on any medium ever again. No, all I need to pass the time is some work to be getting on with. Because it's not going to do itself now, is it?